Well, you weren't kidding about those steps being a little awkward. Uh, well, good morning. Uh, it is really good to be with you this morning. I'm going to get situated here. Um, I, uh, I am, I really am, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. I'm, uh, I know uh, Pastor Tony, I call him Tony uh, and other things. Um, uh, from our pastors group, uh, where I have uh, just had this privilege of getting to know him and to hear his heart and his love for you and his love for the Lord, uh, it's been it's been good. And to to be invited to speak with you this morning, uh, it really is a blessing. So thank you. Uh, now I should I should let you know a, thing, a few things before I begin. The first of which is I'm blind. Um, I can't see. I can see a little. I should say I can see a little. Uh, I can see light, uh, but I can't see you. So if you want to say hi or whatever, just come say hi. Uh, let me know that your hand is out in front of me. Uh, I'll, I'll be able to, you know, I'll do, we'll, we'll make it work, okay? But I can't see you. I actually, uh, so, so when I do my, my sermon, uh, I, I have my iPad and I turn it around, invert the colors so that I can see just the words are light, and uh, which I think is kind of a biblical thing, but... Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm making that up as I go along. Anyway, so, so this morning, you know, when you come into a church that you don't know, and I don't know, uh, I don't know you, and you don't know me, and uh, I don't know your needs, and uh, uh, you don't know my needs, uh, it, it's, it's always a little bit of a trick to try to figure out what you're going to talk about. Uh, you got to talk about Jesus, uh, and, and, you know, what other things do we have in common? And, you know, one of the other things that we have in common is mission. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the gospel, and we're going to talk about our mission together uh, as Christians. Um, now, I, I mentioned that I'm blind. I can't see you. I use a cane. Um, so I want you to all look down at your toes right now, and, and if you could just shuffle your feet back just a couple inches. Uh, because what's going to happen is you're probably uh, going to get your toes stepped on a little bit this morning if you're not careful. Uh, and because some of the things that we'll talk about, you're, you're probably going to think, oh, I don't know about this. And, and maybe, or maybe you're, uh, or maybe you're going you're gonna to be looking at your watch and you're going to be saying, oh, I don't know about this. Uh, because he's going on still. He's still talking. Um, but I want you, so I want you to prepare yourselves. We've got some things we're going to talk about around mission this morning. You and I are called to make disciples of all nations, uh, to invest in others, to, to pursue others. And so today we're going to talk about that mission and how to be empowered to do that. It, it, but in order to do that, we're, we're going to sort of parachute into the gospel of Mark. And we're actually going we're gonna to look at two very interesting and really quite puzzling stories in the life of Jesus. Uh, but before we get into the, this passage, it'll sort of help us to get a brief glimpse of what's going on. Now in the Gospel of Mark, we follow Jesus' career as he is uh, he's walking along this path of establishing himself as a type of a king, a new type of a king. And he's beginning to pick up steam. People are starting to follow him, flocking to him, because he's doing and he's teaching some very remarkable things. 
And when we pick up the Gospel of Mark at this point, uh, Jesus had just uh, he had just had a conversation with some other Jews, and, and he had said to these people, he said uh, that uh, it doesn't matter, nothing outside of a person can make a person unclean. Now, Jews uh, were meticulous about staying ritually pure, but Jesus challenged that by saying, it's not what is outside of you that makes you unclean. It's, it's what's inside of you. It's your heart level that makes you unclean. And each person needs to be cleansed from the inside out. I am having a little bit of trouble with this podium. But Jesus gets up after he says this and, and he heads into the land of the Gentiles uh, on this mission to establish his kingship. But also to demonstrate the reality of what he was just talking about. Now, we're going to read these two seemingly disconnected stories, uh, but then we'll see how they not only relate to each other, but how they actually have a great deal to do with the work that we are all called to as well. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be reading from uh, Mark 7, uh, verses 24 through 37. It should also be on the screen as well. I'm not sure. Again, I'm blind. All right. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman who, whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want. He told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphtha, which is Aramaic, and it means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly 
Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And we're going to end the word right there. So as Christians, you and I, we, we are called to a mission to, to bear witness to the message of the gospel, this reality that God deeply loves people and has crossed this chasm of our sin in order to show us his love. And when we come into a trusting relationship with God through this love of Jesus, we are welcomed into a world of security and hope and joy. That is the gospel. That is the message that you and I are called to bring into the world. And in our passage for today, Jesus actually, albeit in a bit of a strange way, lays out several implications of our mission to bring the gospel message to the world. But as Jesus teaches us these implications, we see him do some very puzzling things. First, this Gentile woman comes up to him asking for healing for her daughter. And he completely insults her. Now, we need to be honest about that. Uh, He implies that as a Gentile, she is a dog. A mangy mutt. A defiled and an unclean animal. What he says to her is insulting. He's a Jew and she's a Gentile, and it was no secret that Gentiles were considered unclean and defiled by the Jews. That was just the way things had become in Jesus' Jesus' day. This chasm had formed between the Jews and the Gentiles, these non-Jewish people. But right before Jesus got up and went to Tyre, He had just said that nothing outside of a person can make a person unclean. And here he is calling this woman, this Gentile woman, an unclean dog. So the question is, what gives? Jesus is a brilliant teacher. He's very strategic. He had just taught this, that nothing outside a person can make them spiritually unclean. But what happens inside is what makes you unclean. And clean. And the gospel is good news precisely because it cleans the heart. It changes a person's spiritual condition. But, but, and this is what we are going to focus on today. It doesn't mean that the gospel message that we can be cleansed from the inside is going to be an easy pill to swallow. The gospel is very difficult to hear and understand. And so what we have in context is Jesus heading to a Gentile area to demonstrate the reality of how difficult it is to convey the gospel message to those outside of the walls. And in our two little stories, we can glean four principles. The gospel message is challenging both to the hearers, but it's also challenging to those who are carrying the message. But when we begin to understand the dynamics of these four principles, our lives will begin to explode. 
with joy and with love, but also empowered with a remarkable sensitivity that only Jesus, only Jesus can give us. So the first thing that we're going to look at, and if you have your little note page in front of you, uh, we'll be walking through these four things. The first thing that we'll notice is that the gospel message will likely be offensive. The gospel message will likely be offensive. Now Jesus uses this very harsh language, calling this woman a dog, to actually pull out a point from the conversation. Jesus' mission has great potential to offend and to divide. You cannot share the truth of Jesus' kingdom, the real gospel, without potentially offending someone. You just can't do it. Because the gospel offends us all at our deepest identity. It steps on the toes of our very identity. That is why they, Jesus used this example with a person that identified themselves as a Greek, Gentile, very specific. You see, the gospel says, you, like this Gentile woman, are fundamentally, fundamentally separated. You are on the outside and you cannot get in on your own. You cannot save yourself. You are profoundly incapable of saving yourself from the catastrophic effects of your own sin that's in your heart. Sin is, unfortunately, a part of our very condition, our identity. Like your need to breathe, you have a propensity to sin. That's how the gospel begins. The message of the gospel, first and foremost, is an insult to our sense of independence, our sense of power, our sense of pride. Yet often, we, we want to make it easy on ourselves, don't we? We want to soften the punt wallow. We're afraid of calling sin, sin. We're terrified of telling people that Jesus is the answer because we don't really want to give people the question in the first place. But Jesus shows us here that it is vital that we understand how volatile his mission is. The gospel is divisive and because of that, it is offensive. Now, is Jesus just saying that we should call people dogs and go out of our way to be offensive? Should, should we line up on street corners with signs declaring the sins of people, embarrassing people, making a spectacle of people? Absolutely not. That's not what Jesus is saying. And, and we will talk a little bit about that uh, when, we, when we talk about the second story. We have to understand that this story is here to teach us something about the missions. It's not an evangelistic handbook. It's to show us something, a global picture of the gospel going out. But Mark gives us this dialogue with this woman to teach us something else. Something about 
the woman's heart as well. We learn something about the way that this message, this potentially offensive message, must be received. The message can only be received with a proper disposition. Now this woman gives us insight into two dispositions or postures that each of us needs to have in order for the gospel to even get through to us. This is not just for unbelievers either. This is something that you and I need to learn every day. We must have a proper disposition, first of all, toward our own character. See, the gospel unabashedly claims that you and I are unable to fix ourselves. We are unable to clean ourselves. And the only way to receive the gospel message is from the inside. With a heart that has come to the point of recognizing that there is no other way to be rescued from our sinful hearts. It takes profound humility to be able to receive this message. And this woman shows us this. When she was called a dog, she had a choice. She could have puffed herself up. Wait a minute. You're in my house. You're in my world. You're not in Israel anymore, buddy. You can't just call me a dog. She could have done that. Maybe this is where you're at. Maybe you hear people talking about sin. Or maybe you're hearing God speak into your heart and it's, and it's offensive. Maybe you're, you're hearing God say, look, your life is a mess. You can't fix this. You're making decisions that are just sinful. Maybe you're at a crossroads. You could take offense. Don't you dare call me a sinner. Don't, don't you dare even talk about sin. I'm not that bad. Or you could begin to deal with it. Maybe, maybe you're ready. Maybe you've tried everything and nothing is working. And you're still defining yourself by, by your failures or by your addictions, or your guilt, and you can't get out, and nothing is working. See, this woman could have taken offense, but do you see? Do you notice what she does? She accepts it. She accepts her condition. She accepts the fact that she is cataclysmically unclean and defiled and separated. She doesn't fight him. She accepts Jesus' word with humility. See, that's the first thing we need to recognize. The gospel can only be received when we're willing to accept our profound incapability. When our heart's posture is humbled. But the gospel can also only be received with a proper disposition toward God's character. See, the woman points out, that even the dogs are still fed at the table. That even the dogs, they're still given food because the master is generous. Because the master lets them in and lets them eat. 
She knows something about God's character, that God is generous and loving, and she receives her portion entirely because of that. Not on her own ability to fix herself, but on God's. She's relying on her understanding of who God is in spite of who she is. The woman demonstrates profound humility and knowledge of God's love. And because of that, Jesus reveals this remarkable grace in her life. Her daughter is healed. And Jesus doesn't even need to be in the same room. He doesn't even need to be in the same house. doesn't even need to touch her. See, the gospel has this propensity to offend. And it must be received with a proper heart. That's what we get from the first story. But the second little story shows us that you and I, in the midst of learning to understand this, we have an immense responsibility to communicate the gospel clearly. Okay. So now we move into the story. And this guy's friends bring him to Jesus. And they ask Jesus to lay his hands on them, on this guy, uh, because he's deaf. And they want Jesus to heal him. And so Jesus does all this strange stuff. Uh, Touching the tongue and fingers in the ears and looking up to heaven and spitting and sighing and all that. What's all that about? What's that all about? Now we've seen Jesus heal many, many times and Jesus doesn't need to do all of that. He had just healed this woman's daughter and again, he didn't need to be in the house. He doesn't, even, he doesn't need it all. So what's with all the rigmarole? And we're going to take a minute and we're going to sort of walk through what's happening here. Because this is very visual. Let's talk about what Jesus does. See, first Jesus physically moves the guy to a different place where he could have the guy face to face. He was going to talk privately with the guy, have a conversation with him. And then, now this is where it start, it's going to start getting, put, pull, pull your feet back just a hair. In verse 33, the NIV version of the Bible says he put his fingers into the man's ears. Now here's, here's the thing. The Greek underneath that. Now the, the NIV is a translation of the Greek uh, New Testament. And the Greek underneath that English translation is actually very ambiguous. Uh, the Greek literally says, he put his fingers into his ears. He put his fingers into his ears. Now, uh, if you have the English standard version of the Bible in front of you, that's what it says, right? If you have that. See, the ESV leaves this ambiguous because in the Greek it is ambiguous. What what do I mean by that? Well, the question is, in whose ears? In whose ears? Uh, Whose ears did Jesus put his fingers in? His own ears or, or, or the dude's ears? Whose ears? 
That's where it's ambiguous. Now, the NIV wants to kind of eliminate that ambiguity by saying into the man's ears. But, but that's not in the Greek, and it's really just somebody's interpretation. And I don't want to badmouth the, interp- the, the, the NIV. I don't want you to hear that. But the reality is, at the, at the Greek level, it could be the deaf guy's ears, or it could be Jesus' own ears. Now, I'm not going to try to sell you on one translation of the Bible over another, but I uh, would encourage you to have two translations uh, that in order to, have, like, to help you study your Bible, to have a couple different translations to look at. I'm not going to try to sell you on any, but you might want to check the ESV. All right. Look, look. Have you ever had somebody try to stick their fingers in your ears? How does that feel? Is it comfy? How about your nose? Somebody else comes up to you and try to stick their finger in your nose or your ears. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? Let's just be honest. If you like that, uh, you should probably talk to Pastor Tony. (laughs) It's violating, isn't it? I mean, it's violating to have somebody try to stick their fingers in your ears and nose. That's, uh, no, thank you. See, I think a better way to translate it is to say that he, Jesus, put his own fingers into his own ears. And I'll explain why in a minute. So then he spits. We have this picture of Jesus spitting. And then he touches again. He touches The NIV says the man's tongue, but again, the Greek just says he touches his tongue. And I'm going to say that Jesus touched his own tongue. And and, uh, think about, even just logistically think about this. If you're having a conversation with somebody, how are you going to just reach into somebody's mouth and touch their tongue? I mean, there's a level of coordination you have to have, isn't it? I mean, somebody has to be prepared for that. Are you ready? I'm I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay? But then he looks up to heaven, and then he sighs. He breathes deeply. And then he speaks this Aramaic word, ephaphtha. Do you see what he's doing? I'll, I'll bring you with me. This guy is deaf. The guy can't hear. How do you communicate with a person who's deaf? He takes him aside. Do you see what he's doing? It's sign language. It's sign language. It's rudimentary sign language. This is not some strange ritual. He's actually tailoring his message to the man who can't hear. He shows him that he understands his condition. He has compassion for his condition. As as someone who's really just recently lost his vision, and, and I've been put in this position... Like I can tell when people are trying to understand me, to understand the, the struggles that I have. 
And I love it when people are just genuinely doing that. I can't imagine that this guy is, wow, Jesus is, is he's, he's telling me, talking to me in a way that I can understand. How beautiful is that? Jesus takes him away privately because he's got a personal message that's going to be tailored to his own specific world and his own needs and his own abilities and his own condition. He puts his fingers in his ears and his tongue showing him what he's going to do, what he's going to heal. He spits saliva on the ground. Now, in that culture, it was often thought uh, that a, a holy person's saliva had healing properties. And so Jesus spits on the ground. It would be like us shaking a bottle of Tylenol in front of somebody. This will help, you see. He, he looks up to heaven, takes a deep breath and sighs. Physically, showing the man that God has this profound empathy and cares deeply for this man. And Jesus cares enough about the guy to slow down, to speak to him in language that he could understand so that the man could ultimately receive healing. Jesus is showing that the message that you and I have must be presented in a way that has its greatest potential to be understood by the receiver. This means that as Christians, you and I have a responsibility to understand and engage the culture around us in a way that shows that we understand people. We need to take our time with people. But also, we need to know the gospel message so well that we can translate it to people in a way that they can understand. But we also see one more thing, and that is that you and I will only engage others when we are moved by the gospel ourselves. We will only engage others when we are moved by the gospel ourselves. We can only receive the gospel message ourselves with a softened and humbled heart. We are no different. But how does God soften and humble our hearts in the first place? He overwhelms us with sign language. Have you ever been overwhelmed with something? We're told that the people were astonished. They were overwhelmed with amazement. Have you ever been overwhelmed with something? It changes you a little. It just moves you a little. It's out of your control a little bit. A, a, a good movie or a good book that just hits you in your gut. And maybe you start weeping uncontrollably. You just can't control it. Or, or maybe just laughing hysterically. 
Or maybe an ironic situation that cannot be explained, where everything just fits into place. Or a scene from a mountaintop or the edge of the ocean. It moves you. It melts you. It takes you aside. See, God has given us the ultimate sign language, a a visual picture, the ultimate communication of both our sinfulness and his love for us when Jesus died for us on the cross. See, the cross softens our hearts. The cross has this amazing power to overwhelm our hearts. The cross is the ultimate sign language for the healing of the deafness of our hearts. The cross is Jesus communicating his healing power to you and I in sign language. The cross is deeply offensive to our sense of autonomy because the cross says that you cannot save yourself. But Jesus can. The cross is the sign language that tells us what Jesus had to do in order to heal. Except on the cross, Jesus didn't put his fingers into his ears. He let us put nails and a spear into him. He let us violate him. Jesus didn't spit on the ground. We spit on him. Jesus didn't touch his tongue with his finger. We touched his tongue with sour wine. When Jesus looked up to heaven, he cried in Aramaic. But instead of connecting with God's compassion and empathy, He was met with silence as he was abandoned and forsaken and despised by God because of the sin on his shoulders. He took the curse that we deserved, the the separation that you and I deserved, and he communicated his love to us in the most tangible way. He became the dog Though he was at the table, perfectly loved and in perfect harmony with the Father, he became the defiled dog, but he was kicked out of the house so that you and I could be welcomed to the table. His arms stretched on that crossbeam welcome you and I into the deepest imaginable love. And the only way that he could break through the deafness of our unhearing hearts was this sign language. When you understand that, when you see that for yourself, when it touches and it overwhelms you, 
you will begin to desire to engage others with that same overwhelming love. You have a story to tell, an experience to share, something that has moved you. It will bother people. But if their hearts are ready, they'll hear it too. That's not your responsibility. It's not up to you to make hearts ready, only to understand your world and the sign language of the gospel for yourself and take the message to others. Take your time with others. So here's a few questions. Are you putting yourself in places where you can learn the deep truths of the gospel and apply them to your own sin and your own pride and rebellion and your own deafness? Are you seeing more and more every day how Jesus has cleansed you in spite of your unworthiness? Are you studying your world around you to know how best to translate the gospel to others? If not... Why not? Why not? Look at the cross. Look at what he's done for you. Look at what he says to you. See him say, I love you. And let that move you. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we are grateful that you look at us in our conditions, that you know our secrets, the things that we're ashamed of and the things that we're afraid of, anybody knowing, but you know those things and you look at us and you love us. And when we forget and we can't hear you, God, you have given us a picture You've given us a cross to look at, to be reminded of your love for us. God, we ask that you would touch us over and over and over again with the truth of this gospel. Would you move us? Help us to fall in love with you to be patient with others. So that others may come in. Would you help us to welcome others because you have welcomed us so gracefully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. And we're going to sing a song, uh, Mighty to Save. Uh, Speaking of everybody needing compassion, everyone needing forgiveness, including ourselves.